Welcome to episode 572 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, despite the way it's spelled here in the introduction text. And <laughs> this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music shows, and games. Josh, I am thankful. Do you know what I'm thankful for? Mm, I could take a few guesses, but I'll let you answer. I am thankful that every couple of years, every couple Thanksgivings, I get to see you and your lovely wife. I mean, you and our latest Marvel correspondent. <laughs> that is what she's calling herself now. <laughs> Indeed. And she did a great job again. She did. She did. Yeah, it's it's always it's been a lot of fun having her on. Um and yeah, I am I am very grateful and thankful also that we got to to hang out uh with with you guys this last weekend. It was it was probably the highlight of the weekend for me. Um cuz it has been forever. Like I I I think that one of the things that people don't realize necessarily is that you and I don't see each other in real life all that often. Nope. And with other life stuff plus COVID, I haven't seen you face to face since CES, which is in January of 2019. Right. Which is approximately three years ago. Which is approximately three billion years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was nice. It was great seeing you and spending time together. And you know what was interesting? We didn't once talk shop well we had our spouses there <laughs> <laughs> yes we did so in deference yeah. to them we yeah. restrained exactly so we get to go all out tonight and uh we don't have to spend any time talking about listener feedback because we don't have any i'm just going to assume that that means everybody was too busy filling their faces with turkey and cranberry sauce and that's they just didn't have another hand free to type an email to us or something. So that's okay. It'll be forgiven, but we should jump into the news. We should. So uh, as usual, we're going to start with some video news and it's Hulu this time around. And this is news that we totally predicted uh, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, Hulu with live TV, the price is going up. Yep, that's what these things do. And I believe it was just in August that they increased the price of the, the video on demand service that Hulu offers. Uh, and at that point, we wondered when is the cost of live TV going up? Plus some of the other competing services had raised their prices over the last couple of months. So it was inevitable. So the cost of Hulu with live TV is going up by $5 a month. And that sounds crappy, but this is actually maybe the first time that it's not actually a bad deal because while the price of the service is going up, you know, and, and that means that like if you've got the, the base level service where you're watching ads on, on the VOD content, it's going up to $69.99 a month. If you've got Hulu no ads version with live TV, that's going up to $75.99 a month. But here's the saving grace. It now includes the Disney bundle. And that means you're getting yeah. Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus included in there for free. So if you were 
a Hulu with live TV customer previously, and we're paying for the Disney bundle, you're actually saving money now. You're actually saving $3 a month. So that's, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this is the, the best price increase news we've ever reported. On. <laughs> it's really smart because they've tempered the news of the price going up with giving you more and giving them more as an organization that happens to own these other properties, giving their customers more technically doesn't really cost them much more. So I think this is really smart. And I've been, I don't know, I've I've been on the fence about switching to one of these non-cable cable station TV bundles, largely because my experience with Sling was so terrible. <laughs> so you're basing all of your experience on the one that has arguably the worst UI. Well, right, but it also has one of the best selection of channels, and so that's the trade-off there. Maybe I should give this a try at some point. Maybe uh, I think I've mentioned at some point, maybe I haven't, I don't know. Uh, I'm planning a move and maybe after the move, instead of just hooking up with cable, we'll try one of these things first and see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would be very curious to hear how that works out for you. And it has been, I, I think I've done a trial of Hulu with live TV, but it would have been, a long, long time ago. If I remember correctly, I don't think they had the greatest UI either for live TV. So you might hate them too. Yeah, but I've heard they've improved it. So who knows? I yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's worth checking out. Okay, uh, next story is from Plex, another very common company with, with news that we report on here. Uh, but this one, it's. It, I guess it depends on how into theming you get with with your types of uh you know apps and and devices and stuff that you use because plex is adding new color themes there will be five not not will be they're they're already there there's the default dark theme there's a light theme if you like really bright screens there is a high contrast screen which is really more of an accessibility type feature for for people who with with vision issues uh which is really just the dark theme but instead of using like dark grays and things like that for the backgrounds it just uses black to make it even higher contrast and then the two that that are the the standout ones are called bubblegum and moonlight and these are both darkerish themes and uh, the the main difference is that they've got colors, and and in the case of bubblegum, it's pink, as you would have guessed. And moonlight, maybe you can't quite guess what moonlight would be. That's a, a version of blue, where they have these these accent colors that are almost positioned as like faint light sources at the corners of the display that kind of bleed into things. So it, it's not. It's not the most obvious thing, in my opinion. It's a little bit more subtle, which might be a good thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a lot more subtle than like my lighting here for the podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I, 
I don't know. It, it's cool, I guess. Um, but you know, Plex is also a business, so they've got to find a way to monetize things like this. So you only get the bubblegum and moonlight themes if you are a Plex Pass subscriber. Now, so, how much would you pay? <laughs> I would not pay anything extra at all for these themes. Exactly. Right. So I I can't imagine that these themes are going to push anybody over the line of, oh, yeah, now, now I'm going to pay for Plex Pass. But if you already were a Plex Pass subscriber, here you go. You can check these out. Now, what I what I think is the better news is that they're building this on top of a, a framework that's easy for them to customize. And it sounds like they're going to make it user customizable too, so that maybe you hate blue and pink and you want, you know, I was going to say orange, but they already use orange as their color. Uh, yellow. How about yellow? That's my favorite color. Uh, or or red or something like that. And you would theoretically be able to set these colors on your own. That would be cool. So we'll see what comes there. Right, This is available right now, but only on the the apps on, on your big screen devices. So basically anything for your TV. So Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, game consoles, and then some of the smart TV uh, apps that, that have a, a Plex app built in. Some of those have been updated also. This is not available like on your iPad or your Android phone or anything like that just yet, uh, but it is available on TV devices. Do you care at all about this, Richard? Oh, I care. I, I I care in that I don't like it. I care in that I don't want them to turn Plex into Media Browser or Winamp, where everybody is trying to come up with their own crazy theme that they can make available. No, 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 no. Please don't do that. The only way this works for me is our favorite developer for this, these types of platforms, Mark Turberg comes up with a media center theme for this thing. That, that would be interesting to me. Give us the blue. Come on, dude. Give us the blue theme on our Plex. And we're so close. We're so close. That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of <laughs> cool. It, it's going to take more than just a color to make it look like media center, though. No, I know. I know. But again, it just just that alone, just that background would make me happy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we're going to take it back to Windows here because there actually is Windows media app news this week from Windows 11. Now, don't get too excited. I, I, I didn't transition into a Windows media center story here in Windows 11. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting that. But Microsoft has made available through one of their dev channels of of Windows 11 through their their insider program a new media player app that's just called Media Player. They're not getting creative with their names anymore. And the idea here is that this is an app that will play audio and video. So it looks like it would almost definitely replace Groove Music and probably the Films and TV app, and almost certainly would 
replace that super old legacy Windows Media Player app. Although I doubt that thing's ever actually going to go away. Like it's <laughs> probably just going to be there forever. Just you're going to have to do some work to find it and get it running. But I don't know. Like it, it's it's a media player app that looks like it should do everything that you want. It the the screenshots of it look nice. I don't have Windows 11 running on anything. I don't have any supported hardware for Windows 11. Right. I don't think maybe this desktop would support it. I should probably double check, but I I don't know. Th- this this got you interested at all? Probably not since you're a Mac user. No, I don't have anything that can run Windows 11 either right now. I, you know, so let me see if I have this straight. So um, Microsoft had this app called Media Player and it played media. And then they decided with Windows 8 and 10 that they needed to have these branded things like Xbox Music and Xbox Movies and Xbox TV. And then they didn't like that. So they called it Groove Music. And then they came up with films and TV. And then they're going to put it all back together in something called a media player. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you exactly nailed it. That that is exactly (laughs) what's happening here. Yeah. No, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I am not interested. I don't know. It it might be a better app. Like I I think it does make sense to have a consolidated media app instead of putting Groove and films and TV in separate apps, but Oh, absolutely it does. Yeah, I I'm I'm not debating that. I just uh, come on. Just figure out a strategy and go with it. At least it's been a few years since the last strategy (laughs) change. Sure. It's only been a year since Groove died. All right. So uh, let's move on to audio music. And this was actually the perfect teaser to get me in the right mood to talk about this. So our first story in audio is about Spotify. We have two Spotify stories actually, but I really wanted to cover this first one. And this first one is that Spotify is no longer allowing you to shuffle the tracks in an album if you're playing an album. And why? Why would they do such a silly thing? Because Adele who just came out with her first album in five years, made the case that her album is a story that has to be told in a specific order. And if you're allowing people to mix that up, then they're not getting the experience that we designed for them. And let me tell you, this has worked for her because she's getting all kinds of attention that she otherwise wouldn't because I didn't even know she had a new album out. Oh, and by the way, I like Adele. This is not a good album. So <laughs> it's probably a good thing that she made all this fuss about it because now she's getting attention about the fact that she has a new album out that no one knew about. I, I just, I, this, this is so hostile to consumers. And it's the kind of thing that most decent music services have resisted. There has been pressure from day one of making music available digitally to consumers. 
that producers of albums wanted their albums heard in order. I remember this when albums from Pink Floyd came out. You must only listen to these tracks in this order because that's how this was supposed to be heard. They didn't win that. Somehow, Adele has the clout to win that. I guess that's what five Grammys will do for you. So I, I this is to me, this is infuriating because this is a customer experience fail. And I suspect that Spotify customers are going to push back so hard on this that they will change this approach. What you is really your thought? You really think so? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think it's very interesting the position that you're taking on this because this is, this is a, a professional in their industry who uh, obviously, like, like this isn't just some, some rando musician and, and this isn't even just some rando like hoity-toity indie artist who thinks that they've made the greatest piece of artwork to ever grace music. Because one, uh, the, the way that I've heard this talked about is, is that what you said is Adele felt like her album needs to be listened to in the correct order. But the reporting that I've seen is that Adele has said musicians put out there, they put a lot of work into the, uh, the order of each song on an album that it's not just about her. It's about all musicians. And well, of course that's how she made the argument. Well, but it, it's, it is what, you know, Pink Floyd and, and many, many, many other musicians have been saying for decades mm-hmm. and for, a, for a lot of albums. Like I, I think for, for, I don't know, a lot of your general pop music and stuff like that. Maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, But there are lots of albums out there that very much tell a story, and they really should be listened to in a specific order. And I don't know. When when I first saw this, I thought, okay, cool. Like, good for her, because it does make sense. And you know what? This doesn't impact me at all, because I can't think of a time that I've ever, ever shuffled an album inside of Spotify. Because why would I do that? Why do I care? Why do I care? I don't. And if if I did care, like if I really only wanted to listen to the odd numbered songs in reverse order, like, <laughs> I could do that, <laughs> right? By I, manually adding them one at a time to yeah, play. Exactly. Next. Exactly. You've so made it harder for consumers to play things differently than the way the artist wanted them to hear it. I, I just I don't like taking that control away. Right. But the, the, the thing that I also think that is weird about you in particular taking the stance is that this, this is a concept of someone who is a, a person of knowledge and, and in, in high esteem in their industry saying, I know that there are options here and, and you can certainly have your options, but there is one way to experience this in the best way. And that's how we want you to do it. So that's what we're doing. And this is how Apple does things. And in most cases, you're pretty cool with that because the people at Apple, like they're, they're making these decisions from, from a similar vantage point. They are right. user experience experts. Right. And yes, this would be the best way to use this. So unlike Microsoft, who would be like, sure, 
we're just going to give you eight different apps on your computer to listen to music. (laughs) We're going to give you more options than anyone should ever have. Exactly. And we'll never remove them. We'll just keep adding to the options. (laughs) Right. Right. And and occasionally change their names to make it even more confusing. So that's why I find it odd that you're so upset about this. Yeah, for me, it's about user control. That's that's all it is. I, but the I user get still her, has control. There's still ways her, for the user. There to are, do but this. it's harder. Like I get her point of view, and and there's an easy way to, to hear things the way she wanted you to hear them. Press the play button. It's that simple. If you don't want to hear it that way, you press the shuffle button, or at least you used to. So, uh, th- th- this this bothers me because I'm. I, I mean, yes. I'm a user experience consultant, but I'm also a control freak and I don't like having control taken away from me. And I don't like to take control away from users, particularly when it's something that they've already had and you're removing it from them anyway. Yeah. I, I I completely understand your point, but I also am very curious. Like, have you ever shuffled an album? I think I've shuffled an album when it's something Probably not something like an artist's album, but a maybe a, a various artist's album, maybe a, a soundtrack, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. it's a soundtrack that just has a bunch of songs on it. And I don't really care, you know, if I hear one Hans Zimmer song before another Hans Zimmer song. It they're just I'm gonna like them all. So yeah, yeah. But it, in that use case, like what you're describing there, I, I think you have to do more work to shuffle the album than you do to just play the thing straight through. Well, I don't now. I just press the shuffle button in the future. Well, I didn't before, rather. In, but now, were I to still be a Spotify user, now I would have to manually add songs in whatever order, which I don't. Anyway, I... Okay, so I've said my piece on this. There's other Spotify news that we should probably move to. And I I have a funny feeling that you might not be so excited about this one. Yeah, I don't I don't love this one, although I'm not as mad about it as you might think. So the, the other news here is that Spotify is killing off their car view feature. So somehow I've I've honestly always wondered how this worked. Um. Somehow Spotify knows when I'm listening to it in the car. I imagine it's accelerometer or something. (laughs) Going 40 miles an hour. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Some people have said because it's, it it knows when you've paired it with, with your car. Really? How does it know? Like I've just got some random Panasonic head unit in my car. How does it know that maybe it, I, I don't know. Maybe it does know, but so when you open the Spotify app while you're connected to your car's Bluetooth, it switches to this very simplified car view. And the, the idea makes a ton of sense. Like strip the user interface down to the absolute basics and make the touch targets that you actually need to use while driving as big as possible so that you can hopefully do it with the least amount of attention required. All of that is great. I think it's kind of ugly and kind of frustrating and and it's some in some ways i found it and it's been a while since i've used it so i i can't come up with a lot of specifics but there were some things that i wanted to do occasionally that that i would 
do it like a stop sign or something like that, that I wouldn't do while driving 75 miles an hour down the road, you know, switching in an artist or something like that, um, that I think actually were harder than just using the normal view. I don't think that's the reason for them killing this. They're just getting rid of it. Um, and they say that they have plans for something better in the future. I don't know why that means they have to get rid of it now. Like, it seems like you could just leave this in place until the new thing is ready. But they say they've got to get rid of this version to make room for the new thing. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a software developer, and I can't understand how that could be the case. Well, the the only thing that I'm thinking of is it could be something with how like how they handle i don't know it, it wouldn't be like audio drivers but just something about how they're handling the user interface and how they're intercepting that user interface like we were saying how do they do it is it because of motion is it because we're connected to bluetooth what is it so they might have some new way of detecting that that they have to implement and that would make this not work right maybe maybe the more cynical side of me says they're just getting rid of it because they want to sell you their car thing <laughs> and you might Is be it going, really called car thing you're a podcaster can you give us the actual name of this thing i did it's called oh car my god thing. oh my god yeah it's actually called car thing okay and it's kind of a cool device it, it's a small I don't know. I mean, it's roughly the size of a phone. Um, it looks like it's got a touch screen, but I'm not sure that it actually is a touch screen. Uh, it's got four buttons across the top panel that you can use as like presets, sort of like you would have preset radio station buttons in your car. And then it's got a little knob, sort of like a volume knob that's that's actually used for controlling things. So it's more like I iPod touch controls kind of that's kind of what it makes me think of and it's a weird contraption so it plugs into your USB power in your car to power itself and then it connects to your phone via bluetooth and then your phone connects to your car stereo via bluetooth or aux cable or whatever you've got so this car thing is just controlling your phone, mm -hmm. which is then sending its audio to the car. I don't know. It's kind of cool. And I guess the, the benefit is that you could stick your phone in the cup holder or something so that you're not looking at it at all. Um, the, the car thing does have voice controls also, which is obviously a, a safer method of controlling things while driving. Although I'm sure there are people out there who say that it's actually not. There's probably some study that's been done that says voice control is actually more dangerous than touch. I don't, I don't know. We think that it's more safe. So all of that is fine. But, but car thing is like 80 bucks and it's yet another thing to plug in in my car and to figure out how to mount. And uh, it, while it may mean that I don't have to look at my phone and get distracted by text messages and stuff, it doesn't do GPS. And I use my phone for GPS too. So I have to figure out how to mount this thing and my phone. Like it's just, it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Here's a move backwards. It sounds like it's like 10 years too late. It sure does. I, I just don't get this at all. It reminds me a little bit of 
the Echo Auto in terms of what it can do, except with a physical interface, which I don't really want. I don't want to have to find someplace to mount this thing. So I'd say get an Echo Auto and talk to that assistant to get it to control things the way you want it to. I, I This is just, this makes no sense to me. Well, and what I would recommend, I, I don't have a recommendation for people with iPhones, but if you've got Android, you can already do all of this with voice controls. You know, if, if you want to use your Google Assistant and tell it to say, you know, play Wild Rivers on Spotify, it'll do that. Uh, and, and it works just great. Um, Android also there, what frustrates me even more is Android has been actively working to get rid of their Android auto app that runs on phones. And they're pushing people to use the Google assistant driving mode app. That's new. That app is pretty decent and it definitely works well with Spotify. Uh, I've been really frustrated by it lately because it keeps killing pocket cast. Like I'll be listening to a podcast and then it just kills it. Hmm. And I, like, this is less safe, Google. Now I'm right. trying to relaunch Pocket Cast. This is stupid. So it hasn't done that with Spotify. I've tested that over the last couple of days. It has not killed Spotify on me. So if you've got an Android phone, use the Google Assistant driving mode. You get everything that you want out of this. And, you know, maybe eventually Spotify does release a new and better version of their driving interface, their car view. Okay, last audio story. And this is another story that we kind of predicted a few months ago back, I believe it was early in the summer. Uh, yeah, because I think it was at Apple's developer conference, which is typically in June, right? Uh, they they announced yep. um, that they were going to be adding, well, what are they? They called it lossless audio and then eventually spatial audio to Apple Music. Right. And then Amazon did the same thing. And Spotify was like, hey, guys, don't forget about us. We announced that it's coming to Spotify, too. They still haven't released it for Spotify yet. But, you know, all of these competitors are talking about lossless audio. And Tidal, we said back then, we're like, well, what does this mean for Tidal? Because the whole big deal about Tidal is that it's the highest quality audio streaming you can get and yeah, pay for it. It's $20 a month for the super high quality audio plan from Tidal. There's no way they're going to continue to be able to charge that much money when their competitors are not increasing the cost of their service and giving you lossless audio quality. Well, now we know. Title took a, a couple of months to figure out exactly what they wanted to do. They're also under new ownership, so maybe that's part of part of why. So what they're doing is they're they're now splitting everything into three different tiers. For the first time ever, there's a free ad-supported tier. And this ad-supported tier still gives you access to the entire catalog of music, which is over 80 million tracks. So it's probably very comparable to Spotify and Apple Music. But it plays ads and it does allow you to skip songs, but it only allows you to skip so many songs. And the audio quality is severely limited down to 160 kilobits per second. It also doesn't allow offline playback. So very similar to the free plans from Spotify and some of the other competing services. Then the middle plan, 
is $10 a month, and it's called the Hi-Fi Plan. It gets rid of ads, allows you to listen to whatever you want as many times as you want. You don't have to worry about skipping songs and all of that craziness. So this is your your normal like Spotify premium type plan or, or, or something like that. And the audio quality goes all the way up to 1,411 kilobits per second. Let's clarify that. The audio quality can be up yes. to... 1411. Correct. Yeah. I'm sure it's not that on every song. It's probably that on a lot of their songs. What is 1411? Like, that's not, <laughs> that is a really weird number. I would argue that many of these numbers are kind of weird. I don't quite understand them. I'm sure there's some math somewhere and physics involved. I, I'm just looking at that and thinking, Okay, that's higher than CD quality. So exactly, like, am I going to hear it? I mean, I know people argued <laughs> that CDs cut stuff out, but seriously, I wonder, am I going to hear it? I know with my ears at my age, I'm not going to hear it. <laughs> well, if you're not going to hear that, then the $20 per month Hi-Fi Plus plan is definitely not for you. That they bill as master quality audio that can play back some tracks up to 9,216 kilobits per second. Yeah, totally not hearing that. No, not not me either. So that's cool if you're into that. Uh, and, and I'm sure like, you know, Rob H, our, our friends over at the AV Rant podcast and stuff and, and diehard listeners of that podcast, they probably love this plan. Those people can probably tell the difference. I don't I don't think I'm going to. One thing that I would be able to tell the difference with is that the $20 a month plan does include Dolby Atmos and Sony 360 reality audio, so those are spatial audio formats. So that's that's cool, uh but again, that's offered as part of the regular Apple Music plan. You don't have to pay an extra $10 a month for that. Right. Here's where I think it gets really, really interesting. If you are on this $20 a month plan, they change up basically everything about their model and how artists get paid. Because the way they describe it is if you're on Spotify or, or one of these other competitors, you pay your, your flat rate per month and that, that money just gets divvied up amongst all of the artists. It's not actually based on what what you're listening to and stuff. It's just here's here's some of the money that you sent to Spotify and they're gonna pass some of you know some tiny fraction of that money onto all of the artists. With this title Hi-Fi Plus plan, instead, they're basically only gonna send the money to the artists that you're actually listening to. Whoa. Only? That's how I read this. Wow, that's a big, big difference. Huge difference. So, wow. And, and if it really is only the ones you're listening to, then that would give me a better understanding of why this model is only different for one version of, you know, one tier of their plans. And it's going to be the tier that has the least number of subscribers because this seems like a dramatic change in how streaming audio works as a you know business model between 
the consumers and the musicians. And I'm not even really sure how I feel about it. Like on the surface, you're like, cool. Like I don't listen to Justin Bieber. Why should he get any of the $10 I'm sending him to Spotify? I'd much rather go to all of these cool indie artists. I'm trying to sound as pretentious as possible. Um, that I listen to. It, 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 it's funny because as I'm thinking through this, I'm trying to think through the math, right? Like if everybody were on this plan, would it really be any different? Because the money that goes to all the artists is in an aggregate form across all users based on stream count, uh, you know, listens of streams. So if everybody, every one of the consumers who who was using this service had this plan, would this really be any different? Probably, probably not. But what it does is it gives those, for those users who are the most passionate about their music, then their dollar is going to the artists they're most passionate about, which gives you like a completely, like you have this hybrid model where other users' money is being split up the traditional way. It's weird. It's really weird. And I, I, I don't, I can't figure out in my head math-wise if this is good or bad for the artists. Right, right. So here's the pro tip. For those artists that you really love, if you really want to support them financially, buy the album. Buy the album. That helps. Go to their concerts and buy merch buy from merch. them. Buy yep. merch. That's yep. how you support your artist. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, one thing I do want to ask, I don't know, have you have you listened to any of these services, Dolby Atmos or, um, you know, full surround music experiences yet? Well, no, but I don't have... Dolby Audio in my house. Okay. So I don't have a great way of, of experiencing it in the way that it's actually meant to be experienced. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would be curious to get your thoughts on it at some point, even if through headphones or something like that, because I feel as if with the exception of live concerts, most of these Dolby mixes just add artificial space that just doesn't just, just seems to do nothing but remove detail in the audio as opposed to enhancing it. Mm. So I'd be I'd be curious to get your thoughts and listeners if if you've had any experience with this, let us know what you think. Yeah, it, it it's not something I've ever been super excited about. Like surround sound for movies makes a ton of sense to me, but Surround sound for music just doesn't like for concerts. It's great. I mean, we've seen demos at CES that have knocked my socks off. But, but even e even concerts don't work like that. All of the speakers are at the front of the concert venue. They are, but the venue is the the venue is part of the experience and. Most surround demos for concerts in, are mixed in a way that you're hearing it as if you're in the venue. You're hearing the reverb of the audio around you. And I just I think it's 
usually really good when it's done well. But I just don't get that at all from studio recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, we've got one more news story, and it is a gaming story, and that is from Xbox. We had teased this. Well, I guess they teased this a few weeks ago, that Xbox Cloud Gaming would be coming soon to consoles, and it has. It was, I don't know, it kind of felt like a surprise announcement, frankly, but it is now available on um, on your Xbox consoles. and. It's like all of them. So any Xbox One, you know, specific model going all the way back to the one that looked like a VCR up through the Xbox One S, Xbox One X, all of those uh, support cloud gaming on the Xbox and um, the Xbox Series X and S, of of course, also support this. So a couple of really cool things here, I think. One, and I've, I've talked about this in the past, is... If you just want to check out a game, now you can stream it instead of downloading it. It takes 30-ish seconds for the stream to really start up. But once it starts, because xCloud is now using Series X hardware, the the load times inside of the game, it, it's all like you're running on a Series X or, or a Series S console. So load times and all of that are really fast. So you've only got internet latency issues to potentially deal with. Um, And then the other really great use case is there are some games that are only available right now on Series X and Series S. As long as they're cloud streaming capable, you can play them on an Xbox One using this functionality. So like there, there's a game called The Medium. Like there's only like three games, I think, that <laughs> fall into this category right now because Microsoft wanted uh xbox one players to be able to play new games so they made that a a thing and most most games that have come out since the series x launched are playable on an xbox one but for that tiny handful of games that are only on xbox series x and s you can play all of them through cloud gaming that are in game pass at least with the exception of flight simulator that one's not ready yet but they say that it's coming so I think this is really great news. I've given this a try on on a couple of games. I picked a little bit more fast-paced, action-y games. I did Dead Cells and what is the other game I played? Jeez, this was just last night. <laughs> I don't remember, but it was one that you know does require fairly quick input, and I think it worked pretty well. Left quite an impression with you, I can tell. It certainly worked well enough to like try out a game. Like <laughs> okay. Am I going to want to play it that way all the time? No, but if I like it, then I'll just download it and play it the normal way. So this does exactly what I was looking for, which is a really fast way to check out a new game without having to download, you know, 80 gigs or, you know, whatever one of these games uh, would, would set you back in terms of data. And, you know, that, because that means, the time to download this massive game. Plus, especially if you're on one of these newer consoles, they don't have big hard drives. So if if I need to install an 80 gig game, that means I'm probably uninstalling something else. So I really like this. But again, this does require Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. All of the cloud gaming stuff requires Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is $15 a month. 
but it does include uh, not just the the cloud streaming, but it gives you access to the Game Pass library on consoles and on PCs if you're a PC gamer, and it includes Xbox Live Gold so that you get all of the online multiplayer functionality, the couple of free games every month, all of that sort of stuff. So nice. still a fantastic deal, and it the service just keeps getting better. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for our news this week. This is the opportunity that that I like to take to say, if you like this show, you know there there aren't ways that you can you know we don't have merch that you can buy to support us. <laughs> if if you want to support us, and we don't give concerts either. We don't. No, no, no one wants no one wants to hear us sing. Well, I don't know. Maybe Richard's <laughs> a great singer. I'm not. No. no one wants to hear me sing. No. So, uh, if you do want to support us, the best way you can do that is. Tell someone else about the podcast. Just share it. Like ratings and reviews and iTunes, that's cool. But but podcasts actually grow through word of mouth. So just let somebody else know about the, the show. All right, Richard, let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. All right. Well, the reason that I was not on the last episode is because I was down at our rental house again. And this time I was trying to do a lot of work around the place and fix some stuff that was broken and get some things installed. And one of the things that I was trying to fix was the TV experience because we've had guests complain that the combination of the Spectrum cable boxes with their remotes and the Samsung smart TVs with their remotes is too complicated. And I totally understand that. I totally get that. So I spent some time researching this and trying to figure out how to make things a little simpler. And initially, I was going to complain in this segment about how it's ridiculous that Spectrum boxes don't have CEC stuff, that I can't just use my one remote and control my cable box. Turns out that you can. Turns out that through HDMI CEC, and I have no idea how this works because this is nothing like CEC that I've ever seen before. When you connect certain spectrum boxes to your Samsung TV, the TV recognizes that it is a spectrum service and offers up the option to show spectrum as an app tile as one of the options that you can navigate to in your smart TV. And when you do that, it basically takes you to live TV by switching the input and making your remote control your cable box. And yet the home button and all the other stuff that controls the TV itself will get you back to the main menu of the Samsung TV. It's magical. That's really great. It's really great. The only thing that sucks about that is that the Samsung Smart TV remotes are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) They have so many buttons on them. They're ridiculous. So the other thing that I was experimenting with were these streamlined remotes that you can get for Samsung TVs that are very much like what they offer on their high-end TVs, like the frame. This might also be able to do the same thing. I don't know yet. I will be testing that out next time. But in the meantime, 
I have taken all of the Spectrum TV remotes and hidden them in a locked closet and set up the Samsung TV so that they just control everything and pretend that Spectrum is an app on the smart TV. And I was thoroughly impressed by that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really, really excited about that. Now, the other thing that I was playing with was that, um, you know, HBO Max is an app on some smart TVs and on my Google TV plug-in device. Actually, I, technically, it's a Chromecast with Google TV on it. I call it Google TV because it's too many words. But I noticed that you can't back out of HBO Max. Like, you can't just go back, 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 and then expect that you're going to get from HBO Max back to whatever your home base is. In the case of Google or Chromecast, it's your Google TV home screen. It doesn't work. Google, uh, HBO Max requires you to exit. You have to go through an exit process to get out of it, which is just ridiculous. And if you have a remote that you're just using with CEC, it, it, you're, you could be stuck. You could feel like, well, how do I get out of here? I don't know. Do I actually have to log out to get out of this app? Because that would be ridiculous. So there are limitations in usability, obviously, um, with stuff like this. And it just infuriates me when I see apps that just aren't playing nice, that, that do this stuff. You know, I've ranted before about apps that con- confirm that you want to leave. Really? I just press back. The worst thing that could happen is I have to press the tile that I land on when I press back to get back into your app. So why do you got to confirm if I really want to leave? What? Come on. But this just seems hostile to users. And it's yet one more thing that HBO has done poorly in its app implementations. Surprise. Yeah. All right. They don't have a great track record. No, they do not. All right. Let's talk about the things I've been watching. Not a whole lot, actually. So the morning show had its season finale. It was disappointing. The season was good. Not as good as season one. The finale was disappointing. I'm thoroughly frustrated and frankly don't care about season three at this point. So I hope they do something amazing because otherwise I don't know how it's going to keep my interest. I am behind on, but still watching New Amsterdam. I think I mentioned a while ago that they were only going to be six episodes of this season for New Amsterdam. I was wrong. I'm wrong occasionally. I think the source that I had had only listed six episodes, so I thought that's all that there were going to be, but there are more listed now. So I'm not even going to bother counting because more could show up later, too. I don't know. Discovery season four has started. I have really enjoyed the past seasons of Discovery. The first and second were amazing. The third season was okay. It wasn't as good as the first two seasons, but it had some clever stuff and I enjoyed it. So far, we're two episodes into the fourth season of Discovery and I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it at all. And it's not the story I think the story could be good, but I'm I'm just watching these scenes and they're acted as if they're just so important and dramatic and impactful. I'm just not feeling it. 
So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping it gets better. We really liked when we watched the first time the series Penny Dreadful, and I think I watched, I mentioned that we're rewatching that now. So we are now up to season two of Penny Dreadful. I, I might also have mentioned that we started watching the series Ghosts. It is an American adaptation of a British sitcom. Not really a sitcom because it doesn't have a laugh track, but the idea is that this couple inherits a mansion outside of the big city. And when they go to the mansion, they learn that it's actually haunted by everybody who ever died on that property. And it's a comedy. It's actually quite entertaining. And we've been enjoying that. So I'm wondering where the next couple of episodes are. I haven't seen them yet. And I'm hoping it didn't get canceled because I've been liking it. And Obviously, you've been watching the latest episodes of John Oliver and Bill Maher. I think both of those seasons are over right now. And here's something that might surprise many people. I watched the movie This Is Spinal Tap for the first time ever over Thanksgiving weekend when we were staying with friends yeah. who couldn't believe Why? that in 37 years, I had never seen This Is Spinal Tap. Well, I've never seen it either, but n neither of us are heavy metal fans. No, we're not. But this is, you know, heavy metal is a red herring in this. It's 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 kind of like I'm also not a dog show fan, and yet Best in Show is probably one of my top 20 favorite movies. This is that crew. Just the the story is about a heavy metal band, supposed heavy metal band. It's it's fun. It's really fun. I will say that after hearing verbatim quotes from scenes from this movie for the last 37 years, <laughs> they were funny, but it didn't live up to 37 years of hype. Right. I mean, it couldn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's no way. Right. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, after all, like, you're not a big fan of AOL, but your favorite rom-com is You've Got Mail. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> hmm, I have to think about that. Favorite rom-com. That, if that were, if that were a, a, a quiz game question, I don't know that I would have an answer. Oh, come on. It's super easy. 13 going on 30. It's got Jennifer Garner. Also haven't seen it. Scott Jennifer Garner. There's nothing else I need to know. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Cool. All right. Well, I actually have some kind of cool news that anybody who follows me on Twitter has probably been, uh, well, I, I can't remember if I actually teased out the actual model, but I've been talking a little bit about maybe getting a new TV of late, and I did. And I am so excited. I am finally in the world of OLED TVs. Yay! Yes. Uh, a lot of places had the LG C1 OLED on Black Friday deals, and Costco is one of them. They've had it, like many places, their Black Friday deals have been running for weeks now. And I snatched one up. I got it. What is today? Today's Wednesday. I got it Monday. So 
I don't have that much time spent with it yet, but wow, it is a thing of beauty. It is a thing of beauty. I also stepped up in size from my my Vizio M series. Gosh, what year was that? 2017? Um was a 55 inch. This is a 65 inch C1. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It, it so like, not only is it newer than mine, it's bigger than mine. So fine. Fine. <laughs> The only reason it's bigger than yours is because your TV <laughs> cabinet doesn't fit anything bigger than that. This is true. You would have gotten bigger. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, our, when, when we bought our new house in the spring, we, my wife said, uh, we're not putting that same TV stand in the living room. And I said, okay, you can pick a new one, but make sure you pick one that will adequately fit a 65 inch TV. So that's what she did. And it it looks beautiful. Um, the the main re- like I didn't just go for OLED. the The reason that I went for the C one OLED is this is also so OLED is obviously fantastic picture quality across the board for everything, but the C one is also the TV to get if you've got a next gen video game console. This does four K. At 120 frames per second, 120 frames per second is the default resolution of the TV. It has variable refresh rate through either NVIDIA G-Sync or AMD FreeSync Premium. It's It's got everything you could possibly want for an Xbox Series X, and it works beautifully. <laughs> like, oh man, it is it is so nice. I I've only gotten to play a couple of hours of games on it so far because it's been a crazy week since I got it, but man, it looks so good. Watching TV on it is so nice. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really liking this TV. I'm, and I mean, I'm not surprised of, of course, right. It's like one of the best TVs that that's been available in the last couple of years. So very, very excited about this. All right. I have a question for you. Okay. So you usually talk about whether you've watched any hockey or not. Have you watched any hockey on it yet? I've watched a little bit of hockey on it. Not not like a whole game or anything, but I, I watched like 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Nice. It is nice. It is sports. Very nice. Sports on those televisions. I, I mean, I'm not a sports ball guy, but oh, wow. I mm. mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing some, some football on it too. Uh, you know, I I was I was with family over the holiday weekend, and they have cable, and they've they've got a decent. Um, I'm not sure what size their TV is. It might be a 65. It it it's rather large for the for the distance I was sitting away from it. Um, and they they're cable customers, and man. Cable compresses the, cr- at least their cable provider compresses oh, yeah. the crap out of the video. And I'm like, watching oh, football yeah. on this isn't even all that enjoyable. Except yeah, that awful. the game that I was watching was the Ohio State-Michigan game. And for the first time in 10 years, Michigan kicked the crap out of Ohio State. And it was glorious. I don't care how compressed it was. It was great to see Michigan finally beat Ohio State. Wow, Michigan had a good uh, weekend then because Michigan State also beat the crap out of Penn State. So there you go. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't Not- matter since uh, they got yeah. obliterated by Ohio State. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, good good weekend for me in terms of college football, for sure. 
Uh, and then, so that's not all I watched. Uh, you know, did watch some college football. Um, that's about all I've, I mean, I've watched almost nothing else on this TV since I've only had it for a couple of days. Um, but also playing a couple of things, playing more Forza Horizon 5. That game, it's like, I, I don't know that there is such a thing as a perfect game, but man, Forza Horizon 5 has everything going for it. If you like a really fun kind of, you know, racing game that, that straddles the line between arcade and simulation, it's got that. If you're looking for just an open world game where you can drive a million different types of cars in beautiful environments and do whatever you want, whether that's staying on the road and just enjoying the scenery or just plowing across open fields and landscapes, you can do that. Maybe you are just super competitive and you want to keep track of every possible stat and how your friends stack up against you. It does that like to crazy details because it keeps track of like how many of the roads have you driven on? And when you drive on a new road, it says you've driven on 123 out of 524 roads, but your friend blah, blah, blah has driven on 132. So like it does all of that sort of stuff to just keep you wanting to keep playing and going and catching your friends. And it's just, it's so good. It is really, really good. And it's on Game Pass. So it's basically free. So you should play the, like, even if you're not a racing game fan, like download Forza Horizon 5 or use cloud streaming if you've got Game Pass Ultimate to check it out because you're probably going to find something fun to do in Forza Horizon 5. I also took advantage of one video game Black Friday detail deal. I bought Astral Chain on Switch. This is a an action game from Platinum Games. If you're a gamer, you probably know what that means. Uh, but it, but it's only on Switch, and because it's only on Switch, that means that you know it like never goes on sale. This game is two or three years old. I've been waiting for it to go on sale. It finally did. So I snatched that up and played it a little bit over the the holiday weekend. And I'm enjoying that too. And then, of course, played a little bit of NHL 22, I guess, is the most. Re- I don't know. I can't even keep track. Whatever the latest NHL game is, played some of that too. So that's it for me. Um Jen might have to make an appearance again soon, though, because she started Hawkeye yesterday with with our oldest daughter. Like they didn't even give me the opportunity to watch it with them. They just started it while I was out yesterday. <sighs> hmm. I forgot that started. I'm going to have to add that to the list. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have to to get her take on it soon. Well, but that does it for what's going on in our entertainment center. So if you want to get a hold of us. Uh, or send us some feedback. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. We actually didn't say this at the beginning of the show when I was complaining that you haven't sent us any email. The email address, entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. If you want to communicate with us in slightly more real time, we're on Twitter, at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at Digimediazone, and all the rest of our contact information and everything else about what's going on can be found over at our website, thedigitalmediazone.com. Also, we tend to do this show live. It's typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. 
it's December, folks. Like, it is a crazy, crazy month. I can't make any guarantees about when the show is going to be live. It's not Tuesday right now. So we will try to give you as much notice as we can uh, for when the show is going to be live. But hopefully Tuesday nights at 10.30, not 10.30, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> and that's going to do it for episode 572. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.